podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother... Jeremy Nicholas Phoenix, man, I'm in the building, I'm in the booth. Let's get it popping for another week. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. You are now tuned into the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. It is time for pop culture. Pop, You hit him with it. Today, we're doing Am I the Apple? And this time, the question is, am I the apple for eating at the same restaurant as my husband's family? That's now, by the way, this is a funny, you saying that uh, uh, sentence right there ha- has to have people intrigued, but c- continue on so we can really get into all the nuances that are, that are going on in this story. I, a 32-year-old female, have been married to my husband, a 35-year-old male, for three years. We dated for two years before that. I want to start this off by saying that he really is a good guy in other areas. My husband's parents. His two brothers, ages 38 and 40-ish, and his brother's girlfriend's fiancés have a tradition of going out to dinner once a month. I'm invited about 50% of the time. I've talked to my husband's brother's fiancé, and she says she is invited every time. When I say I'm not invited, I mean that my husband tells me I'm going to the family dinner. It's probably best if you sit this one out. When I expressed that I wanted to come, he told me that it would be for that it would be for the best if I didn't. It has caused several fights. About a week ago, my husband went to a family dinner that I wasn't invited to. I was very angry. So earlier that day, I called and made a reservation at the restaurant they were going to. My husband left the house, not knowing about my reservations, and I left 15 minutes after him. I ended up seated at a table where I couldn't see his family. So I got up as if I was going to the bathroom and walked right past them. They were all there, including his brother's significant others. My husband looked completely shocked and asked me what I was doing there. I told him that I had just been dying for a steak, so I came and got one at the restaurant. My mother-in-law said that it was very rude of me to interrupt their family dinner. I pointed out that I wasn't trying to join them. I was just going to the bathroom. I told them to have a good meal, and I left. I went and finished my steak by myself. My husband was really angry when he came home. And he told me that he couldn't believe how much of an, uh, an apple I had been. I said that he was an apple for not inviting me to his dinner with his brother when his brother's significant others got to go. My husband said that, said that the decision to invite was between him and his family, and I should respect it. Anyway, with the way the word a apple was thrown around, it made me think of the sub. So I wanted to ask if I am the apple. Am I? What do you think, Jeremy? I like this. I like this story so much. I I, um, lo- I can't believe this story. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely can't. Now, let me say, um, I was married at one time, and I did things one way. And since being married, my uh, my perspective on certain things have changed. But not enough, not enough for me to give this man and his family the right to not invite his wife. Brandon, have they lost her? She is absolutely not the apple. Now, maybe they very clearly they don't like you. Hate to tell you, but you know <laughs> when, when people when people show you what it is, believe them. They don't like you. 
They don't like her at so, all. So he's trying to save face with his family by not inviting her sometimes when everybody else gets to go. No, that's not how it works. When you get married, you have a new family. I'm not saying you forget your old family, but the most important thing in your life is this new family, you and your wife and your kids. That's the new nu- nucleus. So if you're not down to ride and die for her, you probably should be married to her. That's the truth of the matter. Now, I will say I have calmed down a little bit because I feel like if you marry her, obviously, that's a new family and that much should be your priority. But having been burned by this in the past, <laughs> when you make somebody your priority, you know, it makes you a little gun shy. You're like, you know, you can't burn down. And I never burned down my relationships with my family, with you or, or my parents, but um, our parents. But. I understand uh, if you have been burned, the hesitancy to go all out. But the, th- the thing is, if, if you're not willing to do that, then why did you marry her? And, and right now, absolutely, she's not the apple. Absolutely not. The family and him not being able to stand up for his wife or stand up for their relationship. Look, if you don't want her to be here, then don't invite us because we are us. She is me and I am her. But. Um, the fact that she showed up there, look, I got no problem with it. I'll go wherever I want. Just like you guys invite you who you want. If I want to go, I'll go and need a steak right beside you while staring you in the face. Then have the nerve to come home and call me an apple. You lost your mind, baby. You better grow a pair and tell your family what's really real before it's not anymore. Before they get their real wish. I can't imagine that this does not end in divorce. That's all I see with this. How is the, How are they not divorced already, Jeremy? Like, that's all I see with this. How are they not divorced already? It's like still you early said, on. It's, it's three years, and I don't know when this exactly came up. I don't know when exactly it hit her that their significant others are being invited. Here's the thing. If she was a girlfriend, totally different. If she was a girlfriend, totally, totally different. Totally, totally different if she was a girlfriend. Even and it's if also... He, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, it's also totally different if the other significant others aren't invited. If they did just a family-only dinner once a month, I'm not saying that's ideal, but it would be different, and I would not call anyone an apple. I would just say that's how their family does things. I mean, but if you're doing that, the other, no, the seriously, if you're doing that thing, whole thing, no, if you're doing that whole thing where you line up everybody, you say everybody invited to family dinner, take a step forward. Excuse me, not you. Uh, not okay. I don't know where you're going. Yeah, yeah, that, that's not cool. That's not okay. And essentially, that's what's happening to her. Yeah, that's 100% what's happening, and I don't get it. Like, I don't get how a family could have the gall, the audacity, the cojones to say to somebody's wife, to say to their son's wife, we are not inviting you. We're all going to dinner, including these less stable relationships or these less established relationships. We're all going to dinner. These less established relationships are going to be there, but you, the established married one, cannot be there. There's no question who the apple is, and it's not her. And I don't yes. think somebody, somebody said to me, there's only one way. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Somebody said something well, to you. Somebody said to me that what she did was passive aggressive. And I think that maybe it's a little bit passive aggressive because you're not dealing with the head on. But in this case, I have no problem with the petty. No. Okay. No, call me Richard. Call me Richard because I'm king. King petty. Yeah. I'm telling you. I will say there's only one way in which I would scold her if she was my wife. Let's say this man's. <laughs> Let's say this man's. I'm just about to be real with y'all. Y'all can think what you want about Jay and Feed. Let's say this man's family is filthy rich. There's an, <laughs> there's an inheritance. And we've talked about it. Look, they don't really like you. You have to just lay low. And when we get take this bread, what, what they we call all take. eat. 
That's what they say. Call taking one for the team. Yes, yes. She gonna have to take one for the team. Look, girl, we done talked about this. They don't like you. I love you. They don't like you. You have to sit on the sidelines. Look, 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 look. That's the only way she's the apple. If if that is the case, and I know terrible should never happen, but I'm just saying, if that is the case, then yes, she's apple. But I'm telling you, from what the story I got, no way in the world, there's no way she's apple. And the family and the mother is. I would not call her an apple in that situation, even in your situation that you're describing, Jeremy. No, no. In her, my situation, if we no, if we I came to a, if we came to an agreement, girl, you want this bread or not? Everybody got to make sacrifices. If you got to stay home one night or over somebody eating meals somewhere else, no, I'm sorry, no. Even in that <laughs> situation, I'm sorry. She's not an apple. She's an idiot in that situation. No, both. It's, because it's, it's you're, you're an apple because you mess with both our money. <laughs> <laughs> if it was just her cut, that's one thing. We don't <laughs> mess with my cut. There's a problem. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, to be honest, though, even in that situation, it's on the dude. How did you not know your family didn't like your wife? You dated for two years before you got married. Two years is plenty of time to figure out your family doesn't like her. That's your fault. So even if they're filthy rich and she's going to mess with your inheritance, he did that to himself yep. and, and everyone second, involved. And this, is of all, all, this whole thing, Jeremy, no matter how you slice it, this whole thing is on the husband. Yep, 100%. 100%. So anyway, that's what we think. That's what the Raspy Voice kids think on this week's Ada, Am I the Apple? What do you think? Let us know. Get at your boys. You know how to do it. You always do. Holla at us. Raspy Voice! More than 100 schools available from home field apparel. If you like comfortable clothes, check them out. They are a partner with the Raspy Voice Kids and the 1012 Network. Use our code RASPY12, R-A-S-P-Y-12, for a discount on your first order. 15%. Go get it. Tell them we sent you. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. This is I Got Five on it. Another week coming up. A lot of big news breaking for West Virginia University. A lot of transfers coming in. Basketball, football, they're all coming in. They're all in the floodgates. And we're going to talk about it. Five questions, five answers. Here we go. And we're back with another edition of I Got Five on it with the Raspy Voice Kids. I'm your host, Jordan, and let's get things started with the first blank. JT Daniels choosing West Virginia 
is blank. Huge. Now, not because he's the savior, which he may very well be, but because he's the savior and he brings back publicity and spotlight to Morgantown. When's the last time West Virginia was talked about in the national media in any kind of a positive light? It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you without a dope team to step to. Finally got something for the media to talk about. Finally got something for fans to talk about. Finally got something that gets recruits' attention. And JT Daniels combined with Graham Harrell, that's huge. It is big time. It's big time. I've heard people throw around the word big time for people coming to West Virginia. Well, with this one, JT Daniels is big time. Five-star recruit. Everybody knows the new age. You win with dogs. Actually, the old days, you win with dogs. I mean, the blue the blue chippers, the Jimmys and the Joes. That's who wins. You've said it a million times uh, looking down the average star of a team that wins the national championship. Now, I'm not saying we're going to win the national championship, but it's got to start somewhere. And they get a five-star. It's, it's man, it's big time. Number two, Lance Dixon talking about this season is going to be fun because the team is long, fast, and athletic. Has you feeling blank? Nonplussed. I really don't care what a linebacker has to say about his teammates in spring. He should be excited. Everybody in spring is excited about their teammates and about themselves. Everybody's going to win the national championship. Everybody's going to be an All-American. Everybody's going to prove everyone wrong. So he should be excited, and I'm happy for him. But as a fan who's heard this before, who's seen it before, in fact, has seen it and heard it over and over again, to quote the great Timmy Mack, I'm just nonplussed. Yeah, I'm on the same page. Um, it has me feeling like, man, it means something that this was five years ago. I used to get so hyped when I used to hear stuff. Oh, snap. Oh, man, did you hear how he was talking? Man, I could just feel it in my bones. <laughs> not so fast anymore. Older I get, man, talk is cheap. It's the simplest line. We've heard it for years and years. And somehow, I didn't put as much stock in it as I should have. Talk is cheap. Talk is really cheap. Not saying they're not going to do it, but I'm not getting hyped up or, in your words, plussed up till they actually do it. Number three. With the addition of so many players, who is under the most pressure? This is easy to me. It's JT Daniels. Who else on the roster is a five-star? I'll give you a hint. No one. Who else on the roster is a quarterback? There's only three other guys. Who else on the roster is being hailed as the guy who can get, deliver a Big 12 championship? It's only JT Daniels. The other guy, Lynn J. Dixon may not even start. He probably won't. He'll probably be, be behind Tony Mathis. Nico Markio is 18 years old and a freshman. Nobody expects him to be the savior just yet. If he does it, great, but there's no pressure on him to deliver, especially not with a five-star quarterback named JT Daniels, who's been in Graham Harrell's system before. So for a fact, it's JT Daniels. I like what you said, but like, I guess for me, I thought of the question more of uh, out of the whole football program. Does this put more pressure on an individual player? Does it put pressure on offense coordinator? Does it put it on the coach? Does it is it JT Daniels because it's five star? Like, so do you would you still go with JT Daniels? And if that were the uh the case, the perspective that I'm coming from? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. That makes sense. I'm saying, would you would you still put it on JT Daniels? Yeah. I mean, easily. Like to me, it's not even close. Like, okay. I get what you're saying, and I understand, and it makes sense. But without question, I'm putting it on JT Daniels. 
Okay, I feel like you didn't understand my question, but that's okay. When I answer, I'm sorry. Understand. I'm sorry. Say no, it again. No, 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 no. That's okay. You'll just hear my answer. For me, the person who has the most pressure is Neil Brown. I don't care who comes out and who go- goes in. The whole. Well, go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why I try to rephrase it. I was like, in the whole football program, who has the most pressure? But you don't understand my question. It doesn't matter. I'm going with Neil Brown. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who comes out, who comes in. Even with JT Daniels, how much pressure is really on him? To me, zero. Because who are you comparing JT Daniels to? You're I mean, comparing- you, couldn't, you couldn't get a better person to compare him to the, than Daggy. No matter what JT Daniels does, he's going to be better than Daggy. At least I got a feel. Like, how much pressure, man? If he gets to eight wins, it's still better than Daggy. And Daggy's been in the system for two, was in the system for two or three years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know exactly how much pressure. Now, very pressure for him trying to get to the NFL, but as in Mountaineer fans, you give us nine wins, you give us eight wins, uh, and you actually can throw the ball past uh, 40 yards down the field. That's <laughs> easy. For yeah, me, but go ahead. Go ahead. It's, it's definitely Neil Brown because all of it falls on Neil Brown. That's, and you that's and I what I'm saying. This at length. But as far as like pressure from players, you're saying that JT Daniels has nothing. Jeremy, JT Daniels is a five-star. You know what a five-star means? Do you know what that rating means? A lot to him. No, what it means is that you're projected to be an NFL player if you're a five-star. Yeah, when I say so, this, I'm saying a lot to him. I'm talking about Mountaineer Nation, who just came off a of deggy. You don't have to do a lot. Like, if if you were even if you throw a couple deep bombs that are caught in stride, we're not killing you. So maybe you'll kill yourself, but uh, maybe, okay, maybe pressure from himself. But I'm talking about outside that. I don't know. I don't know how much pressure is, is on JT Daniels. Yeah, I disagree, but I hear you. And I, and if I were going to say the most pressure as in player, for me, it has to be Bryce Ford Wheaton. You've been here multiple years. Are you, you are the a, num- a, a receiver is the most pressure? Yes, Brandon. And the reason why I say that is because you've been here multiple years. I feel like your unit has underachieved multiple years. And if you show up and the offensive lineman can keep the quarterback clean and these running backs actually produce, but y'all still can't catch the ball or – Get open after you've been over here so many years. And, you know, he's been talking very positively, which is great. But you got to back it up if you get on the field. The reason why I say defense, you can't mention anybody there, is because they've been playing. They've been producing on defense year after year. I'm not saying the greatest defense, but they've been putting out quality. What's been missing a lot is is the receiving core getting off uh, uh, tough man-to-man coverage being able to throw the ball downfield to catch the rock, all that stuff, and you're the leader of the group, Bryce Ford Wheaton. So I think there's a lot of pressure on him. Number four. Baseball has come up with a device that transmits messages from the catcher to the pitcher to determine throws. The voice can be changed to sound like whomever you want. Who are you choosing? This, again, was a very hard choice. Uh, I had to think about it at length. And then I thought about the Sandlot, Jay. And I realized it's James Earl Jones. An iconic voice on its own with a tie to sports culture, James Earl Jones. Got you. All that softness does not do anything for me. If I was on the mound, I need somebody to inspire me. Give me D- James Earl Jones. Give me James Earl, James Earl Jones is soft. Throw, throw that ball inside. Fastball inside. Done. You've Arf. never seen. <laughs> that's, that's what I need. Hey, 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 hey. Hit him with a changeup. Inside, down and away. I don't know. I just, I, I, need, I need the inspiration. You know? 
I need you to sound like DMX. Yeah, well, hey, look, <laughs> teach his own. <laughs> you, were, you were messing up my flow. <laughs> my bad. But uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm going with DMX. Number five. Eric Stevenson, Woo! Joe Toussaint, and Muhammad Wagyu. Coming to West Virginia has you feeling blank about the basketball season. Nothing. I don't know these players besides Joe Toussaint. I've watched Joe Toussaint play, but no one else. Nobody is Allen Iverson or Michael Jordan from these guys. They have potential, which is a word you hate. We'll see what happens, but right now I feel nothing. All I care about is wins and not out-of-conference wins. I want in-conference Big 12 title aspiration wins. And then I'll be excited about these transfers. Yeah, they had me feeling like, well, somebody had to be on the team. I'm not saying that they're like, you know, oh, you know, they're just little. No, I mean, they go for power five teams, most of them. Wagyu doesn't. Um, These guys coming in seem like they can ball, but seem like and actually do and actually produce two totally different things. We also know we're going to have to be patient just like we are with all all transfers because it always takes a little bit to get caught up to Big 12 play. I got you. Am I excited? No. Um, do I want it to work? I Absolutely. But to use your word, I'm nonplussed. What's that? Man, I'm just, I'm just so burnt. Like, we'll see what we got when we get there. And that's what we got. One, two, three, four, five. Five answers. Five questions. We in the building. Stay tuned. We're going in next segment. Rack me, boys. I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in. And I'ma go hard, and I'ma go hard, and I'ma go hard. We're back for the last segment of the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. This time we're going in. We're going to let you know what's really good. We're going to start talking about JT Daniels. Jeremy, I believe personally this is the most important transfer that West Virginia has gotten in a decade. Am I wrong? Over Will Greer? I think it's more important than Will Greer. Okay. I think it's more important than Will Greer. He's a he's as big a name, if not bigger. The team has a defense, actually, this time, and a veteran offensive line. This team has a lot of potential if some things fall into place. Now, I guess maybe that's not true. I guess Greer was bigger. Because with Dana, it was established, and we had championship aspirations. This team does not have championship aspirations. I was say, so, and I felt, and I felt like we had a roster around Will. Will was the missing piece. Uh, and when I talk about uh, uh, a team, I mean a you know weapons. I mean, you had Marcus uh, Sims. You you had uh, David Sills. You had Gary Jennings. You had thank you, thank you, Trevon yeah. Wesco. You had these guys who would catch the ball. I don't know if we have those on our team now. So I think Will could have been just as big. Yeah, no, you're right. That makes sense. So, still, arguably one of the biggest, JT Daniels. He's on his third team, but he's got two years of eligibility left. One of my biggest questions about JT Daniels right now, personally, is can the guy stay healthy? Like we talked to Zach on Wednesday. Zach Miles, a WTAP, big Georgia fan, brought up the fact that JT Daniels didn't lose the starting job by losing the competition. He won the competition at USC over Keaton Slovis. He won the competition at Georgia over, over Stetson, Bennett. Stetson Bennett. But the injuries 
kept him from being great. So I'm curious, Jeremy, will he stay healthy? Veteran offensive line will help that, but the fact that his statue will not. And when I say statue, I mean the guy's not mobile. He's a pocket passer. He can't get out of his own. He can't get out of his you know own way. So funny. It's so, so funny. You call him a statue. I I can't I can't wait to. Hey, my bad. I can't wait to actually see him because you can't be more of a statue than Jared Tangy was. There's no way. Is it possible? Is it possible that somebody's less mobile than Jared Tangy? No, but I would say they're about the same. All right, no, I haven't watched him. I haven't, I haven't seen him take off. I've seen some throws he, th- he he's had. Obviously, rifle arm. Obviously, there's a reason why he was a 99 overall coming out of high school at two four seven. There's a reason why he went to USC. There's a reason why he went to Georgia. Big time talent. The problem is with the injury. Now let's see how fast he can pick up our offense. Um, how fast can the other players pick up our seems like newly renovated offense? That's the question. Well, the I offense be- is not the offense is not complicated. It's an air raid system and is built on doing a few plays really well, Sim- similar to what Dana did. You do a few plays really well. There's not a lot of complexity, which is a big deal when you think about how many times our offense looked confused last year. Yeah, and I, and I would hope that you're right, but I already hear you know it's just going to take time. You know, uh, he wasn't sure of the play. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's something that we'll pick up. You know, no, I already hear it. No, <laughs> it's already played in my head. So, well, I can see some of the language being a barrier, but so you know, like a, whatever language they use in the in the system. But as far as the plays, there shouldn't be that many for them to learn or run. I understand, like how why Mountaineer Nation so excited. Heck, I probably am a little excited too. Um, to get a five star guy, to get an NFL type guy with a big arm who could throw all the the uh, all the seams and routes that we need. But because of the last few years, the way I've been burned is like, we'll see what it is when he gets here to more. He's not even he's not even throwing to his receivers yet. He doesn't even know what he has yet. So let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Wait till. Hey, look, no, I'm not hating. It's a great land. Be excited. But don't get overly excited because. This is what happens. They get you pumped up. Look, this year, nobody's selling you the Kool-Aid. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Now they are. JT Daniels, five-star blue chipper quarterback is here. You know what you're going to start doing? Guzzling the Kool-Aid. I'm trying to be here for y'all. Not saying that you shouldn't enjoy the good times or enjoy the excitement or enjoy optimism. I'm just saying, don't get too high on that horse. Try to stay as level as you can, because until it is, it's not. So we got to wait for it. Yeah, I'm okay with people getting excited. That's their own life they got to deal with. I just refuse to do it myself. I will say this, though, Jeremy. I wouldn't even look at the Kool-Aid before. Now I'm smelling it a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay? No, I'm, you, I'm smelling you, it. Uh, oh, you said you're smelling it. No, you're not. You, you, you're already sipping a little bit. I, I can tell the excitement from Mountaineer fans. And I'm not, you look, man, you know, I, I don't disparage anybody for it. It's been a long time since we had a reason to be happy in basketball or football. And I know this is not on the field and it's not, you know, winning or losing yet, but it's a good, I don't know, a good feeling to be positive and to be happy about something for once. Well, and to get a win and to get a win because he was considering other schools and we won. It would have been really, you know, it would have been really disheartening if we don't have an established quarterback. So between, I believe between Will Crowder, Nico Marchio and, and uh, Garrett Green, They've only thrown 32 passes in the in college football, Jeremy. Did you know that? Uh, I didn't know the exact number, but I'm not surprised with it. Yeah, you knew it was low. So that means there's not an established starter. You have his former offensive coordinator, and you still can't land him? 
that would have been a, that would have been a blow, in my opinion, to Neil yeah, Brown. But you, say still, you said still can't land him. I mean, it's not like we have these breakout stars on offense. Like, oh, I got to go play. I have one year to prove it. You know what? Let me pick pick this place. Like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we do have some gems that are going to become household names this year. It's possible, and I'd love it. I'm just saying, if I have my last shot to do something, uh, I'm not just going someplace I can start. I'm going someplace I can shine. That makes sense. But is Oregon State that great? I don't know anything about Oregon State. I do. They, you don't hear anything about them, and they play in the Pac-12 and can't even be successful. They're the Beavers. They're terrible. Oh, you know what Oregon State fans are saying right now? <laughs> the, the exact same thing about West Virginia in the Big 12. I'm serious. That's what I'm saying. They're saying the exact same thing. Word for word. Did you watch them last year? Word for word, Brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, like, it, I, it's fine, Jeremy. Oregon State fans might be saying that, but I feel like Oregon State fans have, have an awareness that they stink. West Virginia fans are delusional about who we really are. It would have been a big morale blow if we didn't land JT Daniels and we couldn't land him. So that is a win, and West Virginia was desperate for a win on or off the field. Not as important as on the field, but we were desperate for a win, and we got one. I think that's the biggest point. I like to, like that's that's the bottom line. That wraps up this whole JT Daniels thing. Whether you're hot, happy about it, whether you're not pessimistic about it, whether you think it doesn't matter, whether you think it's going to have a big impact, the bottom line is this: we needed a win. We needed a win, and a five-star guy—that's a win. So on to basketball, where we also need a win. We get Eric Stevenson, a big guard from South Carolina. We get Joe Toussaint, a point guard from Iowa, and we get Mo. What's his name? Mo Wagu. Muhammad Wagu. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. That's the way yeah. I pronounce it. And if he's dope, dope, I'm gonna say Wagu. Always bringing the beef. But go ahead. <laughs> Not that I've made up a nickname <laughs> or catchphrase too early, like you always try to keep me Jeremy loves, loves, Jeremy loves giving people nicknames before they deserve it. So anyway. And if he, stink, and if he stinks, I'm going to be posting up memes. <laughs> Where's the beef from, eight, from, the, <laughs> from the 80s? I already got a set, son. So again, Eric Stevenson being recruited by multiple schools, rated highly in the transfer portal. It's a win for Hugs to get him. Joe Toussaint the same way. Now, I've heard people say that they wish we would have gotten a better offensively skilled guard than Joe Toussaint, but I still think it's a win that we got him. When he had options, he could have gone pretty much anywhere else that he wanted to go. So that's a big deal for us. Now, I will say that I understand the fact that somebody's like, oh, we only averaged 4.8 points a game in the Big Ten. But unlike some of the transfers that we got in the past, especially last year with Pauly Pauly Cap or Kerrigan or even um, the guard number 10, Malik Curry, these guys came from Power 5 schools. These guys saw Power 5 talent. So hopefully the transition isn't as bad because they've seen it. They've been there. They've played the Dukes, the North Carolinas. Granted, it doesn't look like their, their stats are gaudy. But they've been in those battles with big, with good teams, and I hopefully, hopefully that makes. Why'd you good. say? Why'd you say Duke in North Carolina? Because is it the other? Was the other guard from North Carolina State? No, South Carolina. Eric Stevenson played in the SEC. So good. He played in the SEC <laughs> against Kentucky and in Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was confused. I was like, what is he talking about? And I tried to think. We're anyway. Go ahead. 
all I saw was red and white in my head. Like, I, I mean, I've seen him a few times, and I just kept thinking red and white, like NC State, the Wolfpack, but yeah. South Carolina. But the point is, they're in a power. They, they weren't in group of five. They weren't JUCOs. They were power five uh, players. So hopefully that translates. And the transition uh, period is. I, I don't want to hear quicker. nothing. I don't hear nothing. This is plug and play. They should be ready to go day one. Day one. Basketball is not football. There's not a lot to learn, especially not the way that Hugs calls offense. So you can play or you can't. That's you, said that you said there's not a lot to learn. There's nothing to learn on offense. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing to learn. Just play ball, and you better be good right away. That's all I see. I don't know how much this like really people are going on like big time transfers. I don't know. Well, like we, you've both said, we'll, we'll judge them once they get to the big 12 uh, part of the schedule in conference part of the schedule. But these guys, you know, uh, somebody had to play, right? All team was depleted. We had a few freshmen coming in this year. Um, we had three guys, three or four guys returning from the team that was here last year. There was going to be an influx of talent that came in. There's going to be an influx, maybe not talent, of bodies. There are going to be a lot of JUCOs, and there's going to be more to come. That's not the point. The point is, can they play? Um, I don't know, and I'm not going to know until they step foot on the court and actually start producing when it matters most. And Hugs has earned the Neil Brown treatment. I do not care what they say in the offseason. I don't care about what they look like. I don't care about... This is the best team since sliced bread. I don't care about anything that is said about these guys until they're playing in conference. Because, again, 13-1 and one out of conference for West Virginia last year and finishing uh, under 500 and not making the tournament. So, you know, that's where I am with that. I mean, I, just got, I can't believe anything that they say because I just go back to that year with Issa Ahmad and Lamont West and and what's his uh Jared uh well who's uh man anyway the team was supposed to be really good everyone was talking about oh this is the best team we and and that was one of our worst teams that we had now granted it's because of attitudes the truth is like I'm just I'm tired of it I I've been beaten down I'm a little pessimistic nowadays you gonna have to prove stuff to me I ain't just gonna believe nothing like I tweeted out hope and faith are two totally different things I hope we're good I have no faith that we're going to be good in basketball or football. But I hope we are, and I'm going to be there partying, and I'm going to keep the same energy <laughs> if, we, if and when or if we actually do. So, Well, the just, other thing I was going to say that, that is interesting to me, uh, shoot, I don't remember. You said something that made me think of it, and I cannot remember. I hate when that happens. Go ahead. No, that's all I got. That's all I got. We're, we're talking a lot about transfers. Basketball, football, and it's a good thing. And like I said, it's great to actually get a win. But we'll actually see oh, what oh, it... Oh, that's what I was going to say. This is just an aside. This is just a little aside. Jeremy, do you remember when there were mock drafts that had Lamont West going in the first round? I remember when people were trying to act like he was a better prospect <laughs> than Deuce McBride. <laughs> Wait, how? They didn't play together. All right, well, all right. Who was it? It, it was a different... Uh, oh, no, no, no. Uh, was it Sags? Either way, when he was on the team, people were saying that he was he was the most NBA ready. Like, th- yeah. And actually, I, I had the nerve to buy into it. I, I was really about to did. say, when you said people, I was like, people, you mean you. I remember you <laughs> arguing with me about who was more important, who was better. Lamont West with his length. I was like, Lamont West's footwork is terrible. And Horrible. Sl- and slow. Slow-footed, no footwork. He could shoot, and he was tall and long, but that was it. 
Anyway, that was just a little aside. When you were talking about that team, that's all I could think about. People had him going. And, I, and when I say people, I mean non-West Virginia people, NBA people, talking about Lamont West going in the first round. Absolutely. What, and it tells you everything you need to know about scouting. You, you think about anything about these professional sports, Brandon, the NBA playoffs, Tiger Woods, you want to get in any of that? I want to get into baseball first, WVU baseball. Oh, that's first right. First place in the Big 12. They've won at least four in a row, maybe more. They, they uh, swept Baylor. They beat Penn State. We've got Oklahoma State on the docket. This is a big, this is a big deal. Not ranked yet, but they went from the 70s in RPI up to 41 in the RPI. This is a good baseball team. You mentioned on WTAP with Zach Miles on Daybreak the fact that this team is one of the best in the nation at steals. Jeremy, they broke a WVU record with more than 100 steals already, and we're not even through the season. This team is really good, but more importantly, not sorry, not more importantly, almost as importantly, they're really fun, which to me is a criticism of football and basketball. Not only are they bad, they're not fun to watch. When Dana was losing, he was at least fun to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Neil Brown's brand of football so far has been very boring and not very good. Basketball has been boring and not very good. Baseball is both good and exciting. Randy Macy's got it going. I'm excited about Hussey. I'm excited about Aiden Davis. I'm excited about what they're doing in Morgantown. Uh, you got to be. You got to be. You watch how aggressive that they're being. They're going for it. Either you go or you don't, and they've been going for it. Um, and like I said, I said on daybreak, it rubs off on the team. It rubs off on the coaches. It runs up, rubs off on the entire program. It rubs off on the fans. That excitement, that, that you know, wide open offense, man, we love to see it. And you just brought out a good point. We don't see it in football. And even in basketball, the years that Huggins has good teams, they're never great on offense. It's always an ugly brand of basketball. So to have a team at West Virginia that you can actually watch and see steals and just see you know, the aggressiveness, man, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I feel like Maisie, you know, I don't know how much credit to give him. I mean, you give him all the credit for winning like this, but we haven't seen the baseball team be as productive as it's been under Maisie. Last year was a little step back, but I love just seeing how much his kids react to him and his, uh, and his, what, what is it called? His approach. It's not the approach, but his approach to the game of baseball. I absolutely love it. Yeah, me too. I agree. Ducks on the pond. Uh, all right. So now we can talk about, let's talk about Tiger. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. L- let me be real. I am not a golf guy who watches it, you know, every tournament um, or even every major that comes on. I'll tell you when I watch it, when Tiger's on, <laughs> yep. that's when I watch. I watched almost not all every single hole that he played throughout the weekend, but a lot of it. And it was awesome to see, especially that first day, him shooting, I think, uh, even par after the first no, day. He was, maybe, he, was one, he was one under. I was going to say, or one under. Amazing. That's not me just saying that. I, I wonder what the ratings were for those days. You also saw all the people around watching him. To watch a man who's been through that, it's been 500-some days since he had a card wreck, and yet he comes out. And it's different. You see other players playing well. It's different. Because all the pressure in the world is on Tiger. Now, granted, you may say Tiger had no pressure because all he had to do was play the game. But Tiger puts that pressure on himself. He expected to win. But more importantly, 
There's no pressure on any of the other players because all the eyes, all the cameras. Uh, if I hate a tiger, it'd be tough to watch because all they did was show tiger all the time. <laughs> every yep. hole, every tee shot, cutting other people out. So d- for tiger time, and I understand because that's what makes the most money. I'm just saying there's less pressure on other players to play well when Tiger's taking all the headlines and all they're going to do is talk about Tiger at the end of the day. Yeah, you're exactly right. Tiger is a tremendous, tremendous example of what happens when you put your mind to something, when you have absolute determination and a completely zeroed-in focus. The guy almost lost his leg, comes out, and even though he finished 13 over, which is terrible, he played all the way through Sunday. Limping most of the way, basking in the glory of the cheers and applause. I was super proud of him, even though I don't know that dude. And not that he cares that I'm proud of him. It was awesome to watch. It was really awesome to watch. And of all places, at Augusta. Now, I will say Scheffler, who actually won it, number one player in the world. Man, props to him. You win something like that. You have to play well four days in a row. Dude was killing it. The only reason why I don't I sometimes like pull back on the number one player in the world in golf winning is inevitably, just like every sport, you're always looking for the next. You're, always, you're trying to you know, market this person. You're trying to get eyes uh, more often. So inevitably, when the number one player plays well and wins, you're going to hear comparisons to Tiger. Oh, at this age, he did this, and he's right on Tiger speed. I get it, but stop it. Don't nobody want to hear that. I know you're trying to pump up the, the sport. I know you need the next. But I'm just not here for the, the slander of the next Tiger. There will never, I find it hard to believe that there's going to be somebody who affects the sport of golf and the awareness of people and the eyes for the common man as much as Tiger has for the sport of golf. I just find it hard to believe. It won't happen. It will not happen until it's a woman who can compete with the men, which won't happen at all. So it's not going to happen. Gotcha. It's not going to happen. Well, oh, nope. Not going there. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) there is a way but it's not going there anyway not going there (laughs) Ooh, back 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 it up not going there (laughs) you interested in nba finals or not nba finals any nba playoffs i'm interested in who the mvp is who do you think the mvp is that's a good question do you you know enough to know jokic played well but my problem with him and the nuggets what i I know they're not in the t- top two seeds in the West. No, um, not even M- close. Embiid balled out, but Embiid, them either. They're not in the top. What are they? Yeah, they're not in the top two or three no. seeds in the East. Um, so that makes it tough. I, it's it's tough because it depends on where you put the goalpost. Because sometimes they start changing what what's the criteria. Old school, if you want to go back to when Steve Nash went, won it, then this is easy. You take the best team, you take the best player like Devin Booker, off the Suns, and he wins it hands down because the team, uh, his team wins were higher than everybody else's, and the dude averaged like you know top five points in the league. Devin Booker wins it, but now the goalposts have changed so many times. I actually don't know who's going to come out with with the with the title with the uh, yeah. MVP. I don't know either. I look at Embiid though; he first center to lead the league in scoring since Shaq. And I think if I'm choosing, if we're going right now, and you're building a team. I think I take Embiid over everybody, including Jokic, who I love. And I love Luka Doncic, too. But I think I take Embiid. I think if it's me, Embiid's the guy. Um, Devin Booker should have more of an argument, and nobody's giving it to him. But for me, Embiid's the guy. 
Yeah, I, and, and you know, I'm sorry. A lot of leagues, sometimes MVP means something. To me, the NBA MVP means absolutely nothing. When they start talking at the Are NBA, you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right, and to me, they start talking in their careers, this person won so many MVPs. That, that Look, dude, that's, this is all a... I don't want to say a popularity uh, contest, but it's a how do we want to push the league forward? Like Michael Jordan should have won 10 MVPs. Kobe Bryant only has one and and Steve Nash has two. Like, I just feel like Steve Nash has his his at the expense of Kobe Bryant. That's that's what I'm saying. That's the reason why to me, the MVP doesn't mean a whole lot, because especially in the NBA, you, you just pick who you want to pick. There's no rhyme or reason. One year, it's the best player on the best team. The next year, it's, it's the person who didn't rape somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, Kobe, that was alleged. They settled out of court. But honestly, he was, a, he was the best player in the National Basketball Association that year. And they didn't give it to him because of all that drama that went on. Uh, went on uh, was it Utah? Was that where it was? Utah? Colorado. Colorado. That went on with Colorado. Um, and they gave it to Steve Nash. So all I'm saying is they changed who they I, – so I, there's no rhyme or reason. So I don't know how much it really means. Yeah, I agree. Um, we care about anything else? Last uh, no, I'm not even talking about LeBron. I was going to talk about LeBron, but I just don't feel like it. I really don't. I don't. I don't feel like. It. I will say this about LeBron. Okay, I don't feel like it, but I will say. Will people please stop trying to say he's the greatest of all time? Please. Yeah, you know what? I, I I hate when people try to say that at 37 years old, the stuff that's happening now affects whether he was the greatest of all time or not. No, I, 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 it's not that. It's just he's not going to reach the level of Jordan. He's just not going. He's to, not going to reach. He's not going to reach Jordan's rings. What he did with Cle- he took Cleveland with Smut. No, nah, that's not Smush Parker. Uh, Booby Gibson and Verzhao, <laughs> Brandon, multiple teams. And I think people look at him now and they forget what he did. Like I remember him playing against the Pistons, five four out, and he's literally the whole last six minutes of the game taking on the entire team, scoring buckets as a youth. But all you're going to remember is now when he's older, even though he averaged thirty points a game, like. I, I just look if you don't think he's good as Jordan, that's fine. But don't use these last couple of years of him winding down in his career and as 37 years old to be like, see, this is why. Yeah, that's fair. But anyway, that's all we got. This is the RVK. Get at your boys. Holler at us. Let us know how you feel. Podcast Network.